Well, the gifts are all open. The gifts are all open. How many of you had a child at home or a grandchild at home, and you know of at least one gift that's already either broken or set aside? How many? Yes, yes, yes. Reminds me of when I was nine years old. I asked for the Christmas gift that I absolutely had to have. No question about it. And my mother was so dismayed. It was an electronic football game. Remember those games with the vibrating and you lined up the little plastic guys and they'd vibrate their way up the field and there was a little felt football and all that. I had to have that. That was going to be the best game, the best toy I ever received in my whole life. I couldn't wait. So I lined up. My cousin Nikki and I were playing and we were very competitive even at nine years of age. We were the same age and we were always knocking heads together, two stubborn Italian cousins, right? And so we lined up to play football and my guy had the little felt football tucked under his arm and I hit the on switch and the field started to vibrate and the player started to move and my little player broke loose and started going up for a touchdown and then halfway up the field with nothing around him he turned around and he went up the field and scored a touchdown for my cousin Nikki and that game lost its appeal immediately and it's a true story. And I, to this day, you know, my choice was getting the electric football game or getting the game of Clue. And to this day, I still tell myself, you should have asked for Clue. You should have asked for Clue. But see, that's, that's what happens with worldly gifts, with the gifts that the world kind of pushes toward us. And so this Sunday, our last symbol of Advent and the Christmas season is going to be the symbol of gifts because gifts were brought by the three magi, the wise men, to Jesus. And this is the last gift in the long line of gifts we've been discussing through this season. We, we learned about the manger and the angels. We learned about Bethlehem and the inn. And then on Christmas Eve, we learned about the light, the stars, the light that can never be extinguished by humankind ever. And so today we're going to turn to the last symbol of Christmas, the gifts. And the context for this story, of course, is the three wise men story. And you have heard this already through this season a couple of times. But if you listen to the story, you'll hear mention of several of these gifts. So we thought it was important to um, have you hear it one more time, but this time focused on what the Magi brought Jesus. This is from Matthew chapter 2. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will be shepherd of my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose 
went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Now the trip they took to find the baby Jesus was a lot longer than Mary and Joseph's 90-mile trip. It was more like 1,000 miles. They traveled from Persia through Jerusalem to Bethlehem following a star. Sometimes we call them the wise men. Sometimes we call them the magi. They were probably Zoroastrian priests. Zoroastrianism was a pagan religion that um, followed the stars a lot. And that made these men in some ways very learned for their time. They were mankind's early scientists, if you will, because they studied the actual stars, but they, also, they had a mix of astronomy and astrology. And they followed this star, and Pastor Bob told us last week when they did that, they were actually seeking truth. Even though they didn't know exactly what that truth would look like or what it would mean for them when they found it. They followed a divine revelation without fully understanding it. Do you sometimes feel like you're trying to follow divine revelation without fully understanding it? Even though I know Jesus, I know the Lord, sometimes I feel like that too. But imagine what it would have been like for these guys traveling 1,000 miles or 900 miles to a distant land, following a star, not really knowing all the details of the truth they were seeking. They are remembered for the gifts that they brought to this baby king. Although by the time they got to Jesus, he wasn't a little bitty baby anymore. He was more like an infant, probably between 18 months and two years of age. And they actually found him at his home with his mother Mary, not in the manger, in the stable. And they brought him the three gifts that we all hear about all the time. You can name them with me, I'm sure. There was gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And there's been many sermons preached about gold, frankincense, and myrrh. So I'm not going to do that today other than to summarize for you that these gifts are symbolic of, of things that are critical to our Lord. First, the gift of gold was the gift given to royalty, Jesus, the King of Kings. The gift of frankincense. Frankincense was an incense used during religious worship and we know today, and the, the scriptures tell us, that Jesus Christ is the high priest of heaven. So frankincense was an appropriate gift for him. And of course, the gift of myrrh, foreshadowing the death that he would suffer on the cross because myrrh was used to embalm and spice bodies after someone died. But of course, the wise men couldn't have known that day that while the gift may have been appropriate, that Christ would overcome that death that is symbolized by myrrh. And that's what we remember the wise men or the magi for. But if we think about it, those gifts that they gave, those are gifts that could go away. If the world ended tomorrow, gold, frankincense, and myrrh really wouldn't matter. At the time, they were important for the king of kings, the high priest of heaven, 
and to symbolize the Savior and Redeemer, but they're still perishable gifts. And John reminded us of that in his revelation. In John's revelation, there's a passage that talks about uh, Babylon, when Babylon is being destroyed at the second coming. And Babylon in this scripture was really probably, while it was an actual conquering oppressor that had defeated Israel, John was probably using Babylon as a, a metaphor for the Roman oppressors who had killed Jesus. And this is what he said in the uh, book of Revelation, chapter 18. And this is, imagine if you will, the kings and the merchants watching Babylon being destroyed. And this is, this is what uh, John says. Terrified at her torment, they will stand far off and cry, Woe, woe to you, great city, you mighty city of Babylon. In one hour your doom has come. The merchants of the earth will weep and mourn over her because no one buys their cargoes anymore. Cargoes of gold, silver, precious stones and pearls, fine linen, purple silk, scarlet cloth, every sort of citron wood and articles of every kind made of ivory, costly wood, bronze, iron and marble, cargoes of cinnamon and spice, of incense, myrrh and frankincense of wine and olive oil, of fine flour and wheat, cattle and sheep, horses and carriages, and human beings sold as slaves. They will say, the fruit you long for is gone from you. All your luxury and splendor have vanished, never to be recovered. And John's message should remind us today that much of the stuff that we long for will pass away and be no more. So we need to look again at that passage, and I'm, I'm not going to read it again, but I'm going to point out some other gifts, some other gifts that the Magi brought. They brought a willingness to seek the truth, even when the truth could have turned out to be something that they didn't like. It said when they found Jesus, they were joyful, they brought their joy and their gladness to the baby Jesus. When they first went to Jerusalem, the reason for going there is they wanted to get some information about where they might find him because they wanted to worship him. And indeed, when they found him, the scripture told us they bowed down and they worshiped him. They gave their true, authentic, joyful worship. And lastly, and probably something that put them in great peril, they gave Christ Jesus disobedience to the order of the worldly king who said, come back and tell me where he is. And instead they followed the dream. And some Bible translations will tell you it was a dream from God or a dream from an angel that told them to go home another way. So they were obedient to God's divine guidance, but disobedient to an earthly king who had the power to have them killed. They brought their joy, their worship, their truth-seeking, and their obedience to God as gifts that I suggest to you this morning were way more important than the gold and the frankincense and the myrrh. So what does this mean for us today? Well, we have gifts to give that we don't wrap up and put under the Christmas tree. 
But even before we think about receiving gifts or giving gifts, we have to think about receiving gifts because we actually have already been the receiver of the greatest gift ever given to humankind. And that was the gift of God, Emmanuel, God with us, coming to us in the flesh of the baby Jesus. And somehow the majority of the world still manages to forget that that's the real reason that we worship and we celebrate. James reminds us in his letter, in chapter 1 of his letter in the New Testament, that every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. God's light, God's gift to us, they don't perish when the world comes to the end. In fact, they become even more important when Christ comes again and we go on to our eternal home. The gifts God gives are the best and yet we can respond with gifts that will bring a smile to our Lord's face that will be pleasing to our God. And they're the same gifts that God gives us in some respects. We can give God our joy. We can show God our hope and trust. We can reciprocate his love. And while our gifts to him may pale in comparison to his gifts to us, they matter to God. When we come here on Sunday morning and we worship, that is a great gift to God. And yet worshiping on Sunday morning is not the highest priority in America anymore. The stores are open. Youth sports leagues are taking place. The golf courses are open. The tennis courts are open. All kinds of things are going on on Sunday morning. Worship is only one of many options that you have. And frankly, sometimes I don't think we pay enough attention to the importance of worshiping together in community on Sunday morning. That is a gift we give individually and collectively to our great God. And when we give that gift of worship to God on Sunday morning, in return, God equips us and prepares us for the week ahead and the challenges that we face. So not only do we come to offer our worship, but we also receive God's blessing and preparation for the week ahead. The world still asks us to do things that we shouldn't do and to value things we shouldn't value. And we can give a gift to God each and every day when we say no to the world in disobedience in favor of doing the things that God calls us to do. Like loving our neighbor, even when our neighbor is not the most popular dude on the block. We can love our neighbor. We can share our gratitude for the blessings that we have each and every day. That's a gift to God. When you say thank you, God, and mean it. It's not just the childhood prayer before dinner. God is great, God is good, and we thank you for this food, amen. I mean real prayer saying really thank you, God, for the blessings that you give to us. And for us, for us right now today, on the last day of 2017, we can say thank you, God, as we prepare to journey into a new place with new ministries. How exciting it is. But we need to be excited about it. The opportunity we have now to open a second campus of St. Paul up on Druid Road is amazing. 
It's a huge deal. It's something we need to be excited about. We need to experience joy at being able to do this in ministry with God. We need to not be afraid. I know it's scary. It means it's harder to administer because there's a bigger span of control, to use a management word. And it's in a different place, and it'll be new people, and it'll be different, and what about money, and what about repairs, and what about this, and what about that? But we cannot be held back. We have to be obedient to God's call and be joyful. If those wise men can journey a thousand miles not knowing what they're going to find at the end of the road, we can journey three miles up the road to Druid to do great ministry for God. And I hope you're as excited about about that as I am, folks. I really do. The, the, the thought of opening that campus is a huge endeavor. It's going to be a lot of work. But we are going to have a chance to offer Jesus to a group of people who are being neglected in our community. We are going to offer services to new neighbors. We are going to give our open arms ministry and our carpenter shop ministry, new and larger places to grow and thrive and serve new people. And at the end of the day, each and every one of us is going to be gifted with an opportunity to be a disciple in a whole new way. And so be enthusiastic about 2018. Please be enthusiastic. It's going to be a great year. What gift shall we give God this year? Sometimes we want to be like the little drummer boy. And I'm going to give you a gift this morning. I'm not going to sing to you. The little drummer boy said, what gift shall I bring? I have nothing to bring the king. But he did. He had a gift, the ability to drum. And he drummed with all his heart. He used the gift he had. And we need to do the same thing. We need to share the gospel of Jesus Christ along with the food, the clothes, the backpacks, the prayer shawls, we need to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with the world. That would be a great gift. We can give the gift of letting our little light shine, not just on Christmas Eve when we sing joy to the world in silent night and then we blow the candles out and wait till next Christmas to let our light shine. Our eyes should shine with the light of Christ and that's what we are called to do throughout the year. That is a gift we can give. And then there's a couple other gifts that are really important. We can give other people the gift of forgiveness. We can give the gift of remorse, regret, and repentance to others. We can give the gift of reconciliation to people with whom we have a broken relationship. It's important. Jesus told us it was important in Matthew chapter 5 when he said, Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. Jesus valued forgiveness and reconciliation and those are gifts that we can choose to give every single day of the year. So if you're leaving here today and there's someone in this congregation, in this room, with whom you have a beef, I hope you will begin 2018 reconciled to that person. That is a challenge I throw down to you right now, right here. We can give love and care and nurture to our neighbors. You see, what we can really give is ourselves. 
Paul hit the nail on the head in his letter to the Romans when he said, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. That sounds a lot like some of the words we say in our communion liturgy, doesn't it? When we say, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us. Next Sunday will be the first Sunday of 2018. We will renew, remember, reaffirm our baptisms. We will share the Lord's Supper, and when we do, we will say those words. Next Sunday would be a good day to start 2018 in worship, and I hope that I'll see you here. Between now and then, I will hope I hope that you will think about the incredible gift we've been given in Christ Jesus. I hope no matter what your circumstances were in 2017, good or bad, difficult or easy, that you will look back and remember the blessing. I will tell you, I, there may be some others, but I, I'm pretty sure I'm one of the people for whom 2017 was way different than I envisioned it. I planned on starting in ministry here with you full-time, and that's about the only thing that happened that was supposed to. But you know what? I look around this room, and I see a couple hundred reasons for me to be thankful. I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful for the work God has given us to do together in this community. I'm thankful for a call to ministry that I understand now was probably made late in my life because God knew that's when there would be a big void that needed to be filled and ministry is filling it. I am not going to leave 2017 teary-eyed. I'm not. Because for all the sorrow of 2017, I have learned, A, that God helps us grow through our most difficult times. I have learned, B, that sometimes the pastor gets pastored by the congregation. And I have learned see that behind every loss, there's a new gift of understanding, a gift that we need to be grateful for. And so as you travel through 2018, I hope you are as blessed as much in 2018 as I've been in 2017, but without the sorrow and without the loss. But if the sorrow comes your way, Know that God is always faithful. The gift of the Christ child is always present. And the gift we give back to God is far more important than the gold and the frankincense and the myrrh.